your Bibles once again to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, as we're ministering on spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and what? Body. Amen. Glory to God. And once again, we don't want to hear you old, old, old Testament saints and old, the New Testament saints saying, I know about that already. If you knew about what I was talking about, you'd be better off than you are right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. That lets me know you don't know everything. Amen. Amen. None of us have a ride. And faith doesn't come by what you heard. Faith comes by what you continue to hear. Amen. Glory to God. So 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we're talking about spirit, soul, and body. Amen. Once again, we know this is a real simple passage of scripture that most of us are already familiar with. And it says, and it reads, therefore, if any man be what? In Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become what? New. Verse 18, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by who? Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Once again, we look at the scripture when it says, old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. We look at that and say, what does this mean? And we say that because why? Because we look at ourselves. And we notice there are some things in our lives that haven't passed away. And there's some things in our lives that have not become new. Can somebody say amen out there? Well, it says here, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? New creature. Old things are what? Passed away. It's saying if you are truly born again in Christ, old things have passed away. They're not going to pass away. They're not in the process of passing away. In other words, it's saying it's a done deal. To your neighbors, a done deal. Old things are what? Pass away. Behold, all things are what? It didn't say some things. It, said, it didn't say just the big things or the small things. It says what? All things are what? Become new or completely brand new. And what we found out, it's not talking about your physical body. And it's not talking about your soul. We know there's a third part of you, come on, and it's called what? Spirit. <laughs> called what? Spirit. And it's in your spirit that you become a what? New person. Not in your body and not in your soul. We'll turn once again to John 6, 63. We notice what Jesus said. John 6, 63. And it reads in John chapter 6, verse 63, it says, It is the what? Spirit that what? Quickeneth. The flesh does what? Prophets what? Nothing. The words that I speak unto you, what are they? They are spirit and they are what? We found out God's word is the only way to access what's happening in your spirit. Let me say it again. God's word is the only way to access what is happening where? In your spirit. You cannot go by how you feel. The word is spirit. And it is what? The word is what? Spirit. And it is what? Well, look at James 1.22. James 1.22. It says, be you what? Be you doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. But if any be a what? Hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a what? Man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. And he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and does what? Continue therein, he not being a forgetful hearer, but a what? Do all the work, this man shall be what? Blessed in what? In his deed. What's well, saying here, the word that you have in your hand or that, you have, that you're looking at on the screen, <laughs> it says the word is like a mirror. Somebody say mirror. So the word is spirit and it is life, and the word is like a what? Mirror. In other words, 
It is a spiritual mirror. Somebody say spiritual mirror. If you want to see what your physical body looks like, come on, you can't go by how you feel. Let me say it again. If you want to see what your physical body looks like, you can't go by how you feel. Do you realize you have never seen your face? Let me say it again. You have never seen your face. Why? You can't see your face. Now, you've seen a reflection of your face. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, you've seen a painting of your face. You've seen a picture of your face, but you cannot see your face. The most you can see is probably your nose. And that doesn't give you a clear description of your nose. Oh, come on, amen. But every one of you can describe your face. Come on, if you have moles, wrinkles, or big nose or pointy nose, you can describe your face because why? You see an image in that mirror and you trust what you see. Oh, I'm speaking good in here. But the question is, how do you know that that, that, that image is accurate? How do you know it's accurate? If you go to the amusement park and they have mirrors, right? And they have these mirrors that may look you make you make you look fat, skinny. You ever seen those mirrors? They make you look skinny or tall. Come on, say amen, somebody. Well, the question is, how do you know that image is correct? Now I'm not trying to get you to doubt what you see in the mirror. <laughs> but I'm just trying to make a point that you take something by faith. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. And you learn how to adjust to it. Come on, you comb your hair. Come on, you take everything off your face. Come on, you put on your makeup. Come on, you put on your lipstick. Come on. Come on, you're adjusting to what you in the Because you're saying you have faith that what that mirror is portraying is actually and it's telling you to or what you <laughs> Well, the Bible says the word is a mirror. And if you want to see what your spirit is like, you cannot go by how you feel. Come on. What? You can't see your spirit. You can't feel your spirit. And see, the word is a spiritual mirror, and you have to hold it up just, and just believe what you see. Let me say it again. The word is a spiritual mirror, and you got to hold it up and just believe what you see just as much as you believe what you see in the mirror concerning your physical body. You have to believe what the Word of God says about you, folks. Come on, say, I have to believe. So go to Ephesians 4.21, and let me show you what the Word of God says about your spirit man. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. You're with me in here, right? Come on, if you weren't here the previous two weeks, you need to get the CDs. You need to catch up what we're preaching right now. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4.21. It says, if, you, if so be that you what? Have heard him and have been what? Taught by him as the truth is where? In Jesus. What does Jesus teach? He taught the what? The word. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is what? Corrupt according to deceitful lust. In other words, get out of the flesh. Get out of the soulish realm. Come on, say amen, somebody. And verse 23 says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Well, how do I do that? By getting in the word. And then it says, and that you put on the what? The new man. That's talking about what? 
the spirit part of you. Somebody say the spirit part of me. Then it says, which after God. It says after who? God is created in what? Righteousness and what? True holiness. The new, the, new, the NIV or the New International Version reads it this way. And put on the new self, created to be like God, and true what? Righteousness and holiness. You see, we're used to looking on the outside. Let me say it again. We're used to what? Looking on the outside. See, we know our thoughts. And we know our fears. And we know a lot of other things about ourselves. Come on, say amen, somebody. But in the spirit, it says you were created righteous and truly holy. It says you were created that way. Come on, say I was created that way. It doesn't say you're becoming righteous. It doesn't say you're earning righteousness. So it's not based on your performance. Let me try to side over here. It's not based on your performance. The spirit part of you, when you got born again, boom, you became the righteousness of God. Second Corinthians five twenty one. Second Corinthians five twenty one. <laughs> it says, "For he what? He has made him sin, made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we talking about who? us that we might what? We might be what? Made the righteousness of God." And him. Listen, you are righteous. You are right now, regardless of your performance, in right standing with God. Some of y'all need to say an amen. In other words, it's just as if you never sinned. And that's what justified is. Just as if you never sinned. Just as if I never sinned. I'm justified. I'm what? Justified. In the spirit, there is no sin. In the spirit, there is no inadequacy. Come on. You were created. You were created. You were created. That means it didn't have anything to do with you. Oh, anybody here with me? You didn't earn this. It's not based on your performance. Go back to Ephesians 4.24. It says, after God, you were what? Created. You were what? Created in what? Righteousness in what? True holiness. When it says true holiness, it's implying that there is a false holiness. False holiness is all your actions. And understand this, you need two types of holiness. You need, a, you need a physical holiness based on your actions to relate to people. Let me say it again. You need what? A physical holiness based on your actions to relate to people. If you were to receive this message... And you leave out of here saying, man, I'm created righteous. And I am truly holy. And it doesn't matter what I do. My actions aren't important. And then you get in your car. 
and you go 50 miles over the speed limit, the police are going to stop you, and you can't say, hey, I, went, I just came from church, and the preacher said, the preacher just told me that I'm righteous. And I'm holy. It doesn't matter what I do. And he'll say, well, fine. Holy this ticket. And get your righteous and holy self in the back of my car. You need a physical holiness. And you need that to relate to people. If you don't treat your mate right. If you don't treat other people right. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. If you go to work tomorrow and you go, I heard this guy in church yesterday that said I'm righteous and holy. Everything is good. So I may or may not come to work tomorrow. Because it doesn't matter because I'm righteous. That's not going to do you any good with your employer. And you will come and see a pink slip on your desk the next day. Saying you no longer work here. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Because you need a physical holiness. You need a physical righteousness. Well, turn to Romans 10.3. Come on, are you with me out there? Romans 10.3. So be careful trying to take things out of context. Romans 10.3, where it says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their what? Own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. See, there's more, more than one kind of righteousness. So you need self-righteousness to relate to people, to other people. Say it again. You need self-righteousness to relate to other people. But when it comes to God, your self-righteousness is like filthy rags. It is inadequate. And God doesn't deal with you based on your righteousness or your actions. Come on, are you with me out here? Or turn to John 4, 24. Once again, God doesn't deal with you based on your righteousness or your actions. John chapter 4, verse 24. Come on, we can correct some things. Get rid of some religious things that we've learned over the years. It says God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. It didn't say this is the best way and it gets the best results. It says you must do it. You what? You must. There's no other way to relate to God except in spirit and in truth. And once you understand that your spirit is a part of you that changed, again. Once you understand it's the spirit part of you that what? Change. Your spirit is created in what? Righteousness. And true what? Holiness. Once you understand this, this will change your life because why? You'll finally understand how an almighty God who is pure and holy could love me. Because Why? Because he's not loving the physical part of me. He's not loving the soulish part of me that's still struggling. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. He loves the part of me that's born again. He loves the part of me that was created in righteousness and true holiness. Are you following me out here? Why? Because I'm in his class. I'm in his what? We'll turn over to 1 John 4.17. 1 John, are you getting anything so far? 
First John four seventeen. It says, Hearing is our love made perfect, that we may have what? Boldness in the day of judgment. Because it says, Because as he is, talking about Jesus, so are we in this world. Do you really think he's talking about the physical part of you? Or the crazy thinking soulish part of you? So it says, so are we. It didn't say we're going to be when we get to heaven. He said, he said in this world. Now, do you understand that? See, if you, don't under, if you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, if you don't understand it's the spirit part of you that was changed, You'll read verses like this and you'll say, well, I got to be like him. That means I got to behave better. I have to talk and act better. But that's not what it's saying here. It's saying, it's, it's not saying you should be like him. It says as he is right now. So are you. Read it. It says, as he is right now, so are we now where in this world. Now, is there anyone in here arrogant, arrogant enough to say that you are exactly like Jesus in your body or in your mind, will, or emotions? See, most people read this and they can't see this when they read the scripture. They can't see this. They go, Man, because they look in the mirror, and they look in the mirror, and they say, this is like Jesus? Because they see these wrinkles, and they see these zits, Come on. and they feel this pain and agony and the, that they're going through right now, and they say, this is like Jesus? Not to mention all the crazy thoughts that's going through your head. On all the emotional roller coasters that you go up and down on. And as you look at your soul and you say, I have fears, I get angry, I get bitter, I'm depressed. And you say, This is like Jesus. <laughs> then they say, The Bible is so hard to understand. The reason it's hard to understand is because why? You're trying to see things in your physical body. And your physical body is not saved. Let me say it again. Your physical body is not saved. Your soul is not saved. Now, they're in the process of being changed. They're in the process of being changed. And that's to the degree, and that's to the degree that you submit to the Lord and renew your mind. See, you can reflect these things in your body, but you still have a body. And that body is flesh. And it doesn't matter if it's USDA, it's still flesh. And you're going to fail. Well, there was a preacher who thought his wife was cheating on him. Well, she wasn't, but he thought she was. And he got mad, and he drove down the road, threw his Bible out the window, and said, God, if this is the way you reward me for serving you, I just quit. And he went and he overdosed, come on, on drugs. Matter of fact, he was a relative of Nikki Cruz, you know, the former gang member. Come on. Well, that's what he used to do before he got saved. So he just went back to what he used to do 
and he overdosed on drugs, and he tried to kill himself. Now, he survived, and he was in the hospital, and while he was in the hospital, a man of God tried to see him, but he didn't want to see anybody. Amen? Especially another preacher. So this preacher, he forced his way in, and when he saw him, he was so humiliated, and he said to the preacher, how could I have done this? I've seen miracles. God has changed my life. I pastored a church. How could I have done this? What was he doing? He was expressing something that a lot of Christians are thinking. I'm supposed to be more mature than this. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. I'm supposed to be better than this. I've gone beyond this, not realizing your flesh is flesh. And the victory in Christian life, you don't get your flesh to where it's better. You don't get your soul to where it's better. Come on, say amen, somebody. The victory in Christian life is to get out of yourself. And quit trusting in yourself. And quit going by your own understanding and start trusting in God. Anybody in this room in here? But the moment you step out of who you are in Christ, your flesh is still flesh. Oh, come on. It's just like flying an airplane. You could be sitting there in that airplane saying, thinking, man, I'm going five to 600 miles an hour. I'm 30,000, 39,000 feet in the air. Look what I'm doing. And you're not doing anything. Come on, say amen, somebody. It's the plane. That's doing it. And it's your position in the plane that's allowing you to do it. Come on, say amen, somebody. And if you don't think that's so, step out the plane. And let's see how you fly. See, it's only who you are in Christ. Come on, are you with me out here? It's only who you are what? And Christ, Ephesians 4.24 again, after God, you were created in what? Righteousness and what? True holiness. Your spirit was created in righteousness and what? True holiness. And if you get out of the spirit and you get into your flesh, you are as capable of doing anything in your flesh as you ever were because flesh is still flesh. Your flesh isn't getting any better. And this guy thought, I'm supposed to be better than this. Come on, say amen, somebody. Well, all he did was what? All he did was get into the flesh and his flesh went, just went back to doing what it was doing before. But his spirit was still righteous. His spirit was still holy. Come on, anybody in here. He didn't lose anything. And when he found that out by that preacher... It helped them be able to step out of that. Come on, say amen, somebody. But there's a lot of people that you have had your mistakes. Come on, your physical things going, you're going through right now, your thoughts and your action. And you see, you, you begin to see that as your identity. But that's not you. But that's not you. You got a bigger amen than that. The real you is a spirit man. And that's who you have to identify yourself with. The real you in Ephesians 4.24, the real you, come on, that was what? Created in what? Righteousness and what? True holiness. 
And then according to 1 John, John 4, 17, you are what? Identical to Jesus as he is. You're identical to Jesus as he is. So are we in this it didn't say the world to come. It says in this world. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, you'll read this and you'll go look in the mirror and you'll say, that's not true. Then you'll lose your confidence in the Bible. But this is talking about the part of you that's in Christ. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? The part of you that's in Christ is identical to Jesus. <laughs> the part of you that's in Christ is identical to Jesus. Look at 1 John 3, 8. You have a problem with what I said so far. You really have a problem with this. Oh, Lord. First John 3 says, He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil what? Sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might what? Destroy the works of the devil. And whosoever is what? Born of God does not commit sin. For a seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin. Because he is born of God. Now you know when you read this. And you look at yourself. Just today. Probably this morning. <laughs> you say that ain't true. <laughs> Come on say amen somebody. And then people will try to explain this and say. Well he's really talking about habitual sin. He won't habitually sin. And that's not what he's talking about. Because did you know? <laughs> he ain't my mind. Help him, Lord. Did you know if you're overweight, it's habitual sin? <laughs> Listen, folks. You cannot get fat eating one meal. <laughs> you can eat until you passed out, and you might have gained one or two pounds. But if you're 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight, you've habitually sinned. I know y'all don't want to hear this, but go to Ezekiel 16.49. This is talking about Saul and Gomorrah and why they were destroyed. But notice what it says here. Verse 49, behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. It says pride, fullness of bread. Fullness of bread and the abundance of what? I don't know that was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen her hand to the, of the poor and the needy. The New Living Translation reads it this way. Sodom's sins were pride and gluttony and laziness. While the poor and the needy suffered outside her door. Ain't not my mind. Well, go to Proverbs 23, 20. <laughs> Proverbs 23, 20. <laughs> oh, Lord. It says, be not among wine bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. For the drunkard and the what? Glutton shall come to what? Poverty and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Well, I want you to read it from the Message Bible. It says, 
don't drink too much wine and get drunk. And don't eat too much food and get fat. <laughs> this is Bible. <laughs> it says drunks and gluttons will end up on skid row. And a stupor and dressed in rags. Now, I'm not trying to condemn anyone. But if you sit here and define habitual sin, come on, you can't get fat. You can't get overweight without habitual sin. Quiet. So going back to 1 John 3, 9, if you're going to say whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for a seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. If you're going to define that as habitual sin, then a person that's fat couldn't be saved. And that's not true. Somebody say, thank God. <laughs> a person that habitually gossips cannot be saved. A person that habitually is habitually depressed cannot be saved. A person that habitually is fearful couldn't be saved. A person that habitually worries couldn't be saved. And that's not what it's talking about. The way you understand this is, is the only part of you that is born of God is your spirit. And it cannot sin. Come on, are you with me out here? Your spirit doesn't sin. Come on. If you sinned, your body sinned. And you sinned in your mind and in your emotions, but your spirit doesn't sin. Everybody know what I'm talking about now. So once again, 1 John 4, 17 says, So as he is, so are we at this moment in the spirit, in this what? World. We'll go to 1 Corinthians 6, 17. It reads, but he that is joined unto the Lord is what? One what? Spirit. Then it says, do what? Flay. Oh, Lord. Flay what? Run from what? Get as far away from what? <laughs> it's the same he had to say this to the church. And we still have the same problem in the church today. Okay, I didn't get a big amen there either. I needed to have an altar call or something. <laughs> Flee what? It says, every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. See, you sin against your own body, but not your spirit. Because your spirit cannot sin. Look at verse 19. What? Know you, know, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is where in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are what? Bought with a price, therefore do what? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are what? God. Let's read the Message Bible. Verse 17, it says, since we, be, since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever, the kind of sex that can never become one. Oh, that's a strong statement right there. Let me read that again. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever, the kind of sex that can never become one. 
verse 18, there is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the what? We violate the what? The sacredness of our own bodies, these bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with another in the context of marriage. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place? The place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please? Squandering what God paid such a high price for? Oh, he's preaching good right now. Then it says the physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. Notice he makes a distinction between the physical part of you and the spiritual part of you. But then he says, God owns the whole works. He owns your physical body and he owns the spiritual part of you. Come on, say amen, somebody. So it says, so let people see God in you and through your what? Body. And you do that by staying in the spirit and not getting over in the flesh. By identifying with the real, real you, which is spirit part of you, which is what? Righteous. Always doing the right thing and holy. Hallelujah. Glory to God, man. Hallelujah. All right, ushers, hold them down. They're just jumping around. And they're so excited about this word right now. Somebody might hold them down. Y'all got to hold them down now. They might start running around the room any minute now. <laughs> Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 17 again. It says, but he that is what? Joined unto the Lord is what? One spirit. Well, the Greek word one here is hes. And it's a singular one in the exclusion of another. Now, it doesn't mean that we're similar. We're at parallel. That's here's God up here, and we're underneath, and we're this little human spirit. No, it means we are a singular one to the exclusion of a what? Of another. In other words, your born-again spirit is ounce for ounce, molecule for molecule, identical to Jesus. And most Christians don't believe that. And they think I have this little baby spirit on the inside of me. And then we have this misconception we've been taught that I have to grow my spirit. You weren't given a baby spirit that has to grow. Your spirit right now is identical to Jesus. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, 1 John 4, 17, as he is. So are we going to be? So are we what? In this world. Do you think Jesus is still growing? No. You're not still growing in the spirit. The part of you that's growing is your mind. See, I'm not trying to minister to your spirit because your spirit is perfect. I'm trying to minister to your mind to realize who you have and who you are on the inside of you. Because that's the problem. There's a disconnection there. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, your spirit, listen to me now, your spirit has the mind of Christ. Oh, Lord, let's, let's look at that. 1 Corinthians 2.16. Your spirit has the what? Has the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, 16. It says here, Who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may what? Instruct him. But we have what? We have what? The mind of Christ. Even when people read this, they go, I have the mind of Christ. 
And then they searched that little peanut-sized brain of theirs. <laughs> and they think they have the what? The mind of Christ. It's not the mind of your brain he's talking about. It's the mind in your spirit. See, you have a mind in your spirit and you know all things. Go to 1 John 2.20. Come on, you have a mind in your spirit and you know all things. Come on, I'm trying to tell you about the spirit part of you that we've been disconnected from because we've been so caught up in this fleshly realm and the soulless realm. And you're more identifying with the person that's on the outside rather than the person that's on the inside. And that's why you do the things you do. Say amen, somebody. 1 John 2.20. But you have a what? An unction from the what? Holy One. And you know what? All things. Once again, people are only carnal. And they think in the physical realm, and they search their mind, and they say, I know all things. And you can't even find your glasses, and they're on top of your head. <laughs> Come on, you ever done that before? <laughs> Where are my glasses? Where are my glasses? <laughs> and somebody say, they're on your head. Oh, Okay. <laughs> and we go, I don't know all things. What does this, this, what does this mean? Once again, it's not talking about your brain up here. It's talking about in your spirit, you have the mind of Christ and you know all things. Your spirit knows everything that Jesus knows. You have the mind of Christ in here. So when you're looking for information, you don't look up here. You look down here in your spirit man because your spirit man knows all things and you have an unction from the Holy Spirit into your spirit. Is anybody getting this? Now, Promise asked me about this scripture the other day. Back, back, early this week, last week. 1 Corinthians 2.9. She asked me what this means. 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, But as it is written, I have not what? Seen. Nor ear what? Heard. Neither have entered to the heart of men the things which God has prepared for them that love him. He's talking about your what? Your physical eyes your physical ears, and your physical heart. That's not where you're going to receive the things God has prepared for you. He goes on to say, but God has what? Revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit what? Searches all things, yeah, the what? The deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of God, saith the what? The spirit which is in him. In other words, the spirit part of you knows everything about the physical part of you. And it goes on to say, even so the things of God knoweth no man, natural man, but the spirit of who? Of God. It says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. That we might what? Know how many things? The things that are freely given to us of God. Well, how do we know the things that are freely given to us of God? By knowing and understanding spirit, soul, and body. My spirit man will know. So I have to start looking inwardly instead of outwardly. When I'm looking for information, where's my information coming from? Here or here? We're sitting up here racking our brain. Oh, man. Man. How am I going to do this? How am I going to get out of this? 
how's this thing going to work? And you're just going through all the little file cabinets that ain't got nothing in it. Nothing in it. Because I don't know. And not realizing my spirit has the mind of Christ. And if I start looking for the answers in here instead of up here, I will know all things. But I have to understand spirit, soul, and body. Lift your hands and give God praise. Come on, lift your hands and give God praise. Come on, I hope you're hard understanding this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because it, it'll even help you as you read your Bible. Now you understand spirit, soul, and body. What part of you is he talking about? And it'll take away a lot of confusion when you're reading something and you look at it and say, that ain't me. <laughs> but on the inside, God's saying that is you. It's just that you don't know it yet. And if you start identifying with the real you on the inside instead of that person you used to be, Instead of the person you used to be. Instead of the person you used to be. And you stop trying to resurrect the old man. And you stop trying to resurrect the old man. And start walking in the new man. Your life will change. Things around you will change. Your finances will change. Your family will change. Your whole world will change. Father, we thank and we praise and we glorify you. Lift your hands and give God praise.